Resident Evil 4. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, That's right. right. We are the we Classic, are Gaming, the classic Brothers. Gaming Brothers. What are you overtalking me? That was my slot. We are. You can't, you can't overtalk me on my slot. No, I know. I just like to. It's fun. Jeez. No, you can't. Un- unacceptable. All right. You can repeat yourself then. Doug's screaming at us through the producer's booth. That's not why he's screaming. He's screaming because we left the coffee maker on again. We're going to oh. burn down our studio again. Well, if he didn't smoke all those cigars, <laughs> then we wouldn't have a fire hazard. Well, yeah. And he puts them out in the coffee and then we drink the coffee and it gets gross. Well, that's where he puts the cigars out. I feel like we're making Doug seem like he's like an old-timey producer from like a movie. No, you should just picture him as J.K. Simmons. Okay, because he wants pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man. That's right. Speaking of, Seth, what have you been recently playing? Recently, I've been playing Spider-Man Remastered. It was uh, released in 2018, originally for the PlayStation 4, and then came to the PlayStation 5, and then came to the Windows most recently. It was developed by Insomniac Games, and it was published by Sony. It's kind of cool lately. There's been a lot of games that have been PS exclusives that are just like yeah. coming over to PC, and I'm all for it. I don't particularly like exclusivity. So when they're like, oh, do you want to play Red Dead Redemption on the PC? I'm like, yes. They're like, do you want to play Heavy Rain on the PC? I'm like, yes. They're like, oh, do you want to play Spider-Man on the PC? I'm like, yes, because the only previous Spider-Man that was on the pc was garbage well there's been a few but yeah most of them have been pretty garbage and not as good as this last one i think this is this one is is really Uh, it's probably the best spider-man game i've ever played in my life yeah so i've been playing it i've also not been playing it on my pc i've been playing it on my steam deck which is a pc i guess it is my pc it's just not my big tower pc uh a steam deck is a mobile device that was released by valve which is actually running based on a linux operating system so it's a linux base and then has steam os as the operating system but it's all driven on a linux side instead of a windows side and it does a really good job at running pretty much everything in my steam catalog uh so i'm able to play spider-man on my couch which is a pretty awesome i actually we um we were up in new hampshire uh a little while ago and Uh, we were having a uh, a classic gaming brothers offsite meeting, and we had the meme master general there. We had our producer was there. We had our Aaron boy who came, and and of course us. It was an important staff meeting, and during the staff meeting, I was able to play Spider Man on my Steam Deck in New Hampshire, which was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. And um, we also played some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, we did. As a uh, team building environment for the pod. 
Spider-Man Remastered definitely gets the fan going uh, on the Steam Deck. When it happens, it makes this weird plasticky smell as it vents just heat. But it continues to run fine. I've been really enjoying just like swinging around. I'm pretending in my Spider-Man universe that he's uh, he works for Verizon. And uh, I've been just fixing all the, uh, the cell phone towers that I guess are owned by Green Goblin. So there's that. And I actually really haven't gotten into the story fully. I've done a couple of the beginning missions but i'm still like right at the beginning i don't even know if i've even investigated the first thing that i really need to investigate i've like fixed my suit and that's pretty much it i i'm pretty sure that half of like the tokens are like restricted from me still yeah a lot of stuff gets unlocked after you start investigating things and there's like more things you have to like swing around to find and stuff like that yeah i'm enjoying it i also am really happy that i learned how to i had a difficulty with getting onto a a, a escaping car the the ones that they're like the person's speeding and you have to like chase this car down uh i had some difficulty with that in the beginning but um i have since figured it out how to do that yeah once you get into the rhythm of the game i feel like it becomes a very very good game so zach what have you been playing well seth on our trip up to the staff meeting up in new hampshire you provided me with a gift for my upcoming birthday my birthday being at the end of this month of august and seth gave me a rg353p emulation device which is a handheld device kind of similar to the one that seth has which goes by a different number and mine looks kind of a bit more like a it almost looks like a game boy advance with analog sticks actually it kind of looks like a super nintendo controller with analog sticks and a screen in the middle and it allows you to play various different games through emulation and one of those games that i have been playing is on the mega duck because i filled my rg353p with games for systems that i'm not necessarily going to buy anytime soon mega duck being one of those it's a very hard to find system so I, i'm not likely to get a mega duck in the near future the game i've been playing is snake roy which was created in 1993 and developed by sachin for both the mega duck and the game boy in snake roy you play as I assume the titular Snake Roy, who is a snake, but I think he's also Roy. Like, I think he's a king because the picture on the cover shows a snake with a with a dude's head and the dude is wearing a crown. And it kind of looks a lot like Leto II from God Emperor of Dune in that it's a giant like worm creature with a person's face. But in Snake Roy, it's just the game of snake. So you're just going around and collecting, I assume, food and like various other pickups and Snake Roy gets bigger as you collect things and you have to avoid things and then after you collect everything a door opens and you proceed to the next level it's a very simple game for uh with a very interesting uh, art style but um in, in any case i've been enjoying playing games for the mega duck they're emulated really well on the rg353p um they're really really crisp and you can kind of get a better appreciation i think for the graphics because the mega duck while i have never personally played one i have seen videos of them and the screen never looks very good on those um, i mean it looks almost the same quality as an original Game Boy, which in all fairness, the original Game Boy screen is kind of bad. To kind of be able to play these games in not only the backlit screen, but also in uh, crisp graphics, it's nice. You get to kind of uh, admire the games a little more, even if they are very simple games. But I'm currently going through the Mega Duck collection, so you might hear some more Mega Duck titles in the future. But yeah, that's Snake Roy by Sachin. Would you recommend somebody else will play it? Sure. I mean, it's Snake. I mean, if you like Snake, go ahead, go play Snake Roy. Find an old Nokia 3301010 and 
boot up Snake right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you want Snake and you want to play it on a console that's a bit hard to find, then yes, go get Snake Roy for the Mega Duck. Or if you want to play it on a console that's easier to find, but a cartridge that's hard to find, go find Snake Roy on the Game Boy. So yeah, in today's episode, we're talking about a game that was recommended to us by our good friend Brandon, who often recommends games and topics for the show. Recently, Brandon recommended us Nick Arcade. He also wanted us to do an episode on Resident Evil, which he sent us that recommendation November of last year. And we said, we'll put it in the pipeline. But then we were reminded about it when Brandon wanted us to do Nick Arcade. Thank you, Brandon, for recommending episodes for us. We always we always appreciate your recommendations and we do get to them all. Yes, and we will try to maybe get to the next one that you send us faster, but uh, no promises. Or slower. Yeah, or even slower. Maybe we'll wait like 10 years before we talk about (laughs) the topic. In any case, we are talking about Resident Evil 4, the fourth game in the Resident Evil, uh, well, fourth numbered game in the Resident Evil series, because there's a lot of games that come in between, but that's neither here nor there. Back in episode 100, we talked about the history of Resident Evil and how that game spawned what became the survival horror genre. Uh, Resident Evil as a whole became a really successful game series and as we discussed in our legacy section for that episode sequels followed Uh, after the release of resident evil 3 nemesis shinji mikami the producer of the series announced a new game was in development this announcement came toward the end of 1999 and from there development on what initially would start out as resident evil 4 went underway. Now Resident Evil 4 didn't have a very smooth development process, and in fact four games were discarded before the final game was released in 2005. So the game was essentially announced in 1999 and released in 2005, meaning it had a almost six-year development period between the different versions that were developed and eventually discarded or tossed out completely for what we did eventually get. But don't worry, as much as that might have been a long development time back then, it is certainly not the long development time today. No, no, no. It is certainly it's certainly not the longest development time for a game or a game series. No, it's kind of like mediocre, like middle of the rope mouths, kind of like average. The first of these projects did actually get released. It wasn't completely discarded, but it wasn't Resident Evil. This was going to be a game that was a bit more action centric. Noboro Sugimura, who had wrote the story for Resident Evil 2, came up with a story for this game that he wanted to do. In the game, you would play as a character named Tony. And Tony had superhuman abilities that were given to him through use of cybernetics and such. In this game, there was going to be a fixed camera similar to Resident Evil, but Hideki Kamiya, the director of the project, thought that the player didn't look heroic enough when it was put to a fixed angle. And he thought it would be better if it was a dynamic camera so that the camera was moving around and you had different angles so that the character would look more heroic when he was fighting all these different things. Now, as the game started to take life it did start to slowly look less and less like resident evil while it had a gothic atmosphere that may fit resident evil focus was more on the combat and platforming shinji bikami would end up stepping in and ultimately deciding that the game was just a bit too different to be a resident evil game however they couldn't just toss out the project because it was still a pretty cool game that was like being developed it's just not it just couldn't bear the banner of resident evil so it was decided to release the game as just something entirely different and the main character went from the name tony to the name dante and the game was renamed to devil may cry so if you are somebody who enjoys devil may cry 
you can thank essentially the rough draft of Resident Evil 4 and thank them that they decided to not scrap it entirely and make a game out of it. Uh, Devil May Cry would go on to become its own pretty successful franchise in its own right and spawn numerous sequels within the Devil May Cry franchise. We'll likely talk about Devil May Cry eventually, but what's important now is that essentially Devil May Cry came from Resident Evil 4, so they had to start again on making a Resident Evil 4. Yeah, <laughs> like they were like, we had Resident Evil 4, but now we don't, so now we need to make a Resident Evil 4. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, we still need to finish that whole Resident Evil 4 part, which is why their development went on for six years. At the end of 2001, development began anew on Resident Evil 4, and an announcement was made in 2002 that it would be exclusive to the Nintendo GameCube and would be created by Capcom Production Studio 4 as part of the Capcom 5. Now, Capcom 5 were five titles that were announced by Capcom as GameCube exclusives, and some of these were really good. Those were PNO3, Beautiful Joe, Dead Phoenix, and Killer7. And then Resident Evil 4 would be the fifth game. This announcement was done primarily to help boost the GameCube hardware sales, which were lagging around back in 2002, which was not making Nintendo happy. The lagging of the sales, not the Capcom 5. They were they were stoked about the Capcom 5. Yeah, and Nintendo and Capcom had some exclusivity deals, so they kind of had to figure out ways to help Nintendo during yeah, this Yeah, right, right, right. Because if, if you didn't have enough GameCubes in the market, no one would buy your game if it was a GameCube exclusive. So Capcom's plan for Resident Evil 4 at this point would see a returning character, Leon Kennedy, who we last saw in Resident Evil 2, take on zombies in a castle-like headquarters for the pharmaceutical company Umbrella. The game, which was around 40% complete before it was scrapped, featured some first-person elements in a story where Leon gained powers after being infected with a progenitor virus. After this version, which was known as the Fog version, was scrapped, Capcom got to work on another version of Resident Evil 4. This version was shown as part of their 2003 E3 showcase and called the Hookman version by fans of the series. It wasn't like the official name, just everyone calls it the Hookman version. In this version of the game, Leon contracts a disease and has to fight off paranormal entities, such as a suit of armor, dolls, and a ghost-like man with a hook. One element of the gameplay that would stick to the final product was the over-the-shoulder camera for combat. However, some elements, which the gameplay trailer showed, like dialogue choices, were scrapped. About five minutes of gameplay footage is included on a Biohazard 4 secret DVD, which came out as a pre-order bonus if you bought Resident Evil 4, which I should also make sure to clarify for people who didn't listen to our last Resident Evil episode. Resident Evil's name in Japan is Biohazard, um, so that's why you might hear me refer to the game as Biohazard at some point. Now, the Hookman version of the game was scrapped. After this version, there was another version that was worked on called the Hallucination version. This version didn't even make it past the initial concept but the concept was that leon would be infiltrating a castle again and that castle had a laboratory hidden deep within inside the lab a young girl would wake up and must escape and the game would kind of bounce between 
the girl, and Leon as they made their way out of the castle while dealing with the various obstacles and creatures, which were zombies. This version was actually scrapped due to it just being far too complicated in concept, and Mikami thought it would just be too expensive to develop. However, I will say, if you look at the final product of Resident Evil 4 and all these different versions, besides Devil May Cry, parts of them all make it into Resident Evil 4. It evolved out of them. Right. So, like, we'll talk about the plot, but there's stuff of, like, Leon getting infected. There's the whole over-the-shoulder stuff um, and in various other elements. You can see where they were coming from. After the hallucination version of the game was scrapped, Mikami decided to step in as director because he was like, we got to get Resident Evil 4 done. This is ridiculous. And he began working on the final version that we would eventually get. He decided that he wanted to shift the gameplay system to have the over-the-shoulder style that they were previously playing around with as the main focus of the gameplay. This change in the gameplay was actually a point of contention with various developers. There are actually reports that there were internal arguments arguments over the style that the game should take, and reportedly some members of the team were frustrated that the game was starting to shift a little bit to become more action-oriented. Remember, one of the reasons why Devil May Cry became Devil May Cry was because the tone shifted. I, I assume people might have been a little nervous that they were like, is this going to just turn out to be Devil May Cry again? <laughs> Where, like, this whole game is gonna, like, the tone is like, shifting Oops, so we much. made another game. Yeah. Mikami insisted to the team that the camera system really did need to be fixed the way that he wanted it to be behind the shoulder and he explained to them what his vision of the game was so that they would have a bit more confidence in the product. Now the new story that was developed for the game was going to be separate from the previous games in a sense that it didn't actually deal with Umbrella and instead dealt with a new threat. Mikami actually wrote the entire story in about three weeks mostly because they needed to ship Resident Evil 4 yesterday <laughs> and they've been just go over there, I guess, to Capcom's view, probably ticking around. <laughs> yeah, right. They also ended up updating characters like Leon so that they would look tougher, but also cool in this version of Resident Evil 4. Because uh, as time has gone on and that they've released multiple Resident Evils, the audience that played the original Resident Evil, they're, everyone's growing up. And you have to change your game, even if it's the same franchise, you still have to change the game so that it's more equivalent to the times of release. So Leon needed to look tougher and cooler to appeal to the, the newer demographic. The game would introduce new types of monsters, like the Regenerators. These monsters were designed to breathe heavily when they walked, so they were heard before they were seen. This would translate well to gameplay because it would allow a player to become aware of their surroundings quicker if they heard certain noises. And I believe by this time, they were directional sound. So if you had a system at home where you had stereo or even 7.1, and you heard heard the sound coming from behind you and you had a 7.1 setup, you would actually hear the sound coming from behind you. So you could actually be more immersed within the yeah, game. Yeah. And we'll talk a bit more about how the actual game plays, but Resident Evil 4 still has kind of what we would call tank controls. So in order to shoot things, you do have to stop, point your gun and then shoot. Though it is from that over the shoulder perspective as opposed to fixed camera. But having the sound come from certain places helps you because it will help you line up your shot. So if you walk into a room and you hear a sound coming from what sounds like maybe the room 
over to the corner, you can turn, adjust yourself, point, and as that thing walks through the door, you can start blasting. And those things, like the regenerators or other monsters, are also different from previous Resident Evil games because they're not zombies. Uh, the people and monsters are created through a parasite called Plaga, which was introduced to the host by a company and cult called Los Illuminados. Kind of reminds me of the um, the zombies from Dead Rising. Oh, yeah. But those are zombies. Right, but they're still done by the little buggy. Yeah, they are little buggies. They're also kind of like the creatures in Back for Blood, which are worms. Oh. Now, the Resident Evil 4 was announced again in 2004, and it was announced that it would be coming to PlayStation 2 in 2005, meaning that it would not be a GameCube exclusive. It would, in fact, be a GameCube and playstation game capcom actually stated resident evil 4 did not fall under their exclusivity deal with nintendo however the gamecube version still says only four in the corner of the box art which is only featured on gamecube exclusive titles because when you see something that says only four your thought is that it's only for that system you would be wrong with resident evil 4 now resident evil 4 would actually release to the public for money in october of 2005 that's right now the story of resident evil 4 puts you in control of leon kennedy who we last did see in resident evil 2 he was the former police officer for raccoon City. The reason he's a former police officer for Raccoon City is because Raccoon City is currently a smoldering crater in the ground after the U.S. government dropped a nuke on it. But now, Leon has a much more cushy job. He works as a U.S. government agent, and he's tasked on going on uh, special like mercenary missions. In this game, he's tasked with saving Ashley Graham, the president's daughter. Ashley was abducted by a cult while traveling in Europe, Los Illuminados, and Leon's mission is to track her down, find her, and bring her home safe. His mission initially takes him to a small village in Spain, where he immediately encounters a group of villagers who want to murder him. Uh, he soon finds out that these villagers are infected with the parasite Las Plagas, or Plaga. Leon is captured and injected with Plaga, which slowly begins to infect him. Now, you're kind of competing against the clock, right? You must save the president's daughter, stop everything from happening, all this evil stuff, and preferably fix your problem of being infected. So, Leon's got a lot going for him during Resident Evil 4. And I will say, the Resident Evil games are weird in their own right, right? Resident Evil 1 is like, you go to a mansion, and underneath the mansion is a massive laboratory that's run by a pharmaceutical company. In Resident Evil 2, you go to a police office, and that police office is connected to a massive laboratory run by a pharmaceutical company. And then, like, in Resident Evil 3, there's this giant monster with a chain gun that's, like, trying to hunt you down. Like, weird things happen in Resident Evil, right? Resident Evil 4, I feel like, is where things get really weird. Like, there's, like, a sequence where you have to run away from, like, a machine that's, like, crushing walls. There's a whole sequence where you're just on mine carts and, like, people are dropping into the mine carts and you gotta shoot them with a shotgun as they, like, fall in. There's these guys with bags over their head and they just have chainsaws and they really hate you it's a ridiculous game and it's got some really goofy moments and i highly recommend playing it now the game as we mentioned is played from a third person over the shoulder perspective which again is different from previous resident evil titles which had a fixed camera perspective usually the camera would be up somewhere in the corner of the room and you would watch your character like enter the room and walk around and then leave the room and then the, it would change position with the next room that you entered in now with resident evil 4 you were directly following behind leon uh which allowed you to have a bit more almost 
almost like freedom of movement, get a bit more up close and personal with some of the monsters. And it also introduced some new gameplay mechanics, such as, as we talked about, the sound being a bit more dynamic now. However, there's still tank controls, so you still have to stop in place, point your gun, and shoot, or stop in place and use your knife. There isn't really kind of the fluidity of over-the-shoulder gameplay that we might see in other games um, that, you know, came from Resident Evil's footprints. Now, how well did Resident Evil 4 sell? Really well. First of all, let's talk about how they hyped this game up for years. People wanted a new Resident Evil game, and Capcom essentially were teased everybody for years about a Resident Evil game and they released various different footage that looked very exciting and then changed the footage again to be different to be a different game so people were ready like when this thing was released they wanted to know like ultimately what was Capcom's vision for this game and not only were people overwhelmingly positive about the game and critically acclaim uh there are some lists that do say that Resident Evil 4 is the best video game out there. The game also sold excellent. Uh, during the first 20 days on release, 320,000 copies were sold in North America for the GameCube. And in December of 2005, 3 million copies for the GameCube and PlayStation 2 were reported as being shipped worldwide. 2007 sales data shows that the GameCube version sold around 1.6 million units and the PS2 around 2 2 million units. As of December of 2021, the game has sold an estimated 11.4 million copies across the various platforms that it's available on. And it is on a lot of consoles you can get it on. I, ha I own it on PC. Uh, you can, of course, have it on PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox, and yeah. so on and so forth. So yeah, it's on a lot of consoles. And let's talk about the ports now. Let's, let's talk about them. Because, of course, it was on PlayStation 2. It was literally on PlayStation 2 at launch. But what's interesting is that the PS2 version is kind of cool. It actually came with a collector's bundle that you could get, which had a t-shirt, a figurine of Leon, and a soundtrack. There was also a Resident Evil 4 custom controller for both the GameCube and the PlayStation 2, and it looks like a chainsaw and it looks stupid but it is a fully functional controller it just looks like a chainsaw now a pc version of the game was developed and released in 2007 by typhoon games first in hong kong and then it was released uh, worldwide a wii version was developed and released also in 2007 which features motion sensing controls and added reticle for easy targeting and i've heard that the wii version is a really popular version i think i've heard that's probably considered one of the better of the original releases of Resident Evil 4 um, just because the motion controls really do add something to the game. Another version of the game came out the next year, Resident Evil 4 Mobile Edition, which ran on phones using the Brew OS. This game is actually truncated, only has specific sections of the final game and a uh, kind of like a compressed storyline. A, you're playing it on a phone and B, because phones weren't great back then. This version of the game was actually adapted into what became the iOS version, and a version was released on the Zippo, which was a Brazilian exclusive console that ran on the Brew OS. And the Zippo was created by Tectoy, who we talked about in our Master System episode. I was just looking up uh, the collector's edition because I wanted to see how cool the Leon figure looked. It is a pretty cool looking figure. You can get a pre-owned copy of the original PlayStation 2 collector's edition for $350 on eBay and sealed $500. <laughs> 
So there was the Brazilian version on the Zebu that was the essentially the iOS version, and then that iOS version was later re-released with a separate version called Resident Evil 4 for Beginners, which had three levels, counting a training stage, and additional levels could be purchased, because why not? You know what? I think they really missed their chance with that one, because they called it Resident Evil 4 for Beginners. They should have just called it Resident Evil 4 Beginners, but had the 4 be a number. Yeah, they should have. And then they should have introduced typing. Yes! Um, An HD remaster of the game was released for Xbox 360 and PS3. This HD version was updated as the Ultimate HD Edition for Windows. The game was also released on the PS4 and Xbox One in 2016. In 2018, the game was released on the Nintendo Switch along with Resident Evil and Resident Evil Zero. A VR version of the game was released for the Oculus Quest 2 in 2021, which was developed in Unreal 4, and I would not play that game because that would scare me. Finally, a remake of the game was just announced in 2022. Is that going to be the Ultimate extreme edition i think the remake is more going to fall in line with what we've seen at the resident evil 2 and resident evil 3 remakes where it's like completely different gameplay style probably closer to what we saw in like the resident evil 2 remake like updated over the shoulder updated levels updated graphics but it's kind of weird to think about this game getting a remake because like resident evil 2 feels very old it's a playstation 1 game resident evil 4 has been out on so many consoles like i have Resident Evil 4 on the PlayStation 4 like sitting like next to my copy of Resident Evil 7 (laughs) and the Resident Evil 2 remake like I have a physical copy of Resident Evil 4 for the PlayStation 4 it's just kind of funny that there's going to be a remake of it I don't know like I get it's an old game but at the same time it's like it's literally right there probably going to be good Resident Evil 2 remake was good Resident Evil 4 also helped games in another way the whole over the shoulder type situation Uh, Resident Evil 4 was one of the first games to really implement the over the shoulder view point um other horror titles looked at resident evil 4 and said that's a great idea uh so titles like dead space and the last of us took from resident evil 4 the over the shoulder viewpoint other games also like uh grand theft auto and the fallout series would also utilize this camera style so imagine playing grand theft auto I mean, I guess you couldn't play Grand Theft Auto fixed camera, but imagine if they put the camera not where it Yeah, like, imagine is. if, like, Grand Theft Auto Five used the camera technique that, like, OG Grand Theft Auto did, where it was, like, up in the sky following you as you're, like, a little dot on the screen moving around. Kind of want to see that as a mod. That actually sounds fun. But, uh, all right, that's Resident Evil 4. That's going to be our Resident Evil 4 episode, Brandon. I hope it was everything that you expected it to be, or at least if we did fall short of your expectations, we didn't fall that far. We're going to get on to our retro rewind section now where we talk about the games that we assigned each other and talk about whether they hold up or not last week zach assigned me zook hero z zook hero z was developed by fast fame and published also by fast fame and was released in 1998 and by released i mean fast fame put it into the market but it probably wasn't endorsed by anybody because it plays like a beta to mega man starring a mega man type character who is not mega man but it's actually like a robocop he's like a cop who gets injured and becomes a robot and fights mega man villains and that's the plot uh 
since Zach wanted me to play the Japanese version and not the English translated version, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, and I just thought it was some sort of beta Mega Man game. But then Zach told me it was a bootleg. So that means these people, the vast fame, didn't get permission by Capcom to put this out. Uh, it's a pretty good bootleg though, and it holds up pretty well. So if you like old school Mega Man and you want to play something different, but the same, you could check out Zukiro Z. And for the next episode, since I gave Zach a lot of edutainment games in the past, I'm going to give him something that has no education whatsoever. And that game is Castles of the Wind Part 1. The first part? That's right. Just the first part. When you get to the second part, close. I'm excited to play Castles of the Wind Part 1. Yes. Now, Seth gave me, last week, an edutainment game. He gave me EcoQuest The Search for Cetus. Cetus? Cetus? Cetus. Cetus? Cetus. Cetus. Cetus? The Search for Cetus, uh, which is an edutainment game developed by Sierra Online. It's an edutainment adventure game, so it plays like other Sierra Online titles like Police Quest or King's Quest. I mean, it's a quest game. It's a, it's also a scum game. Yeah, and it runs in scum, so it, uh, I could actually play it in scum VM, which made it really easy to play. But EcoQuest, The Search for Cetus, was uh, designed by Jane Jensen and Gano Hain, and it was originally released in 1991. In the game, you play as a 10-year-old boy named Adam Green, who is the son of an ecologist named Dr. Green? I think he's just called Dr. Yeah, Green. sure. In the game, Adam makes friends with a talking dolphin, and the dolphin says that he is on the search for a sperm whale called Cetus, who is the king of the underwater kingdom of Illyria. It's a very weird plot to a kind of weird game, but um, the game is... As I mentioned, edutainment. What it is teaching you is how to clean up trash and not pollute the ocean. Literally, the first thing in the game is you watch the sequence of a dolphin swimming around excitedly in the ocean as like beautiful music plays and it's like jumping and jumping and jumping and then gets caught in a net and it, I assume, dies. No, I think the dolphin that you see in the beginning is the dolphin that is in the, that you talk to, that he's rescued. I thought it was a different dolphin and I thought it no. died. <laughs> And no, I was I'm like, pretty. Oh I'm, no! I am like ninety percent sure that the dolphin that is in the intro that gets caught in whatever the thing is is rescued by Doctor Green. Yeah, you don't see it rescued. So that's why. But yeah, well, you know, you don't always see uh, Doctor Green the, doing his job, right? He's out sure. there he's, doing he's, his thing. Doctor Green's a busy man, but uh, he is. Uh, yeah. So like the right after that, one of the first things you do, actual gameplay wise, is uh, it teaches you how you can combine items by cleaning off a gull that has been covered in oil through an oil spill and then you also like walk around your dad's room as you try to like find different things and then you go talk to the dolphin and then you swim with the dolphin and then the dolphin's like hey i'm looking for my king uh you think you can let me out and adam is like yes i can let you out dolphin i just learned can speak today and he lets the dolphin out into the ocean and adam's response to this is well, dad said we were going to let him out soon anyway. And there are no repercussions, I assume, because there's a time jump to four days later. And it doesn't say, like, Adam was punished for his recklessness of releasing a dolphin. I just, like, that one part got me in, in such a weird way. Because in the beginning of the game, there are these kids playing outside. And Adam's like, I don't want to play with those kids. I want to stay inside. And his dad's like, well, you can't stay inside all day, son. And Adam's like, I'm going to stay inside all day, dad. I'm going to go see the dolphin. And the dad's like, all right, just make sure you you follow the instructions on how to take care of that dolphin. Because they're like specific instructions. Like you have to talk to it first. Then you have to give him fish. And then you can swim with it. And then if you talk to it again, he starts talking back. I'm just imagining 
that when you when you leave the parts that you don't see of this game of adam being like dad i let the dolphin out and the dad was probably like what you left the why and he's like well you said that he was he was good to go soon the dad was probably like yeah i just say that sometimes <laughs> like it's just i don't know like you don't see that moment but that moment to me i played in my head it just made me so anxious for adam i was like he's gonna get in such trouble <laughs> anyway the dolphin comes back four days later and is like hey i need your help and then you help the dolphin out it's pretty it's pretty fun does eco quest search for cetus hold up maybe if you like adventure games if you like classic adventure games i think you'd have a fun time with eco quest it's pretty simple it's got a lot of the sierra charm to it uh, one of my favorite moments is right at the beginning there's a book on the ground if you click on it it says it's an eco quest hint book and then if you try to click on it like to like read it says you don't have time for that <laughs> i'm like that's that's a sierra right there <laughs> yeah it's got that sierra vibe to it i recommend it i'm like 90 percent sure it could be beaten in like an hour i didn't get a chance to beat it yet but i'll probably actually just go back and start playing it more because i was actually kind of enjoying myself so does eco quest the search for cetus hold up yeah it holds up in a weird sort of way but uh that will do it for today's episode brandon thank you very much for the recommendation always appreciate it if anyone else wants to recommend something for us to talk about you can send an email to classic gaming brothers at gmail.com you can also reach out to us via our facebook instagram or twitter our facebook and instagram are classic gaming brothers our twitter is cg brothers pod we're also on twitch at classic gaming brothers we don't stream a lot but we're there also you can check out our website classic gaming brothers.com that's where we have all of our merch and also our episodes that you can listen to uh, at your leisure anyway that being said i think that's everything unless i'm forgetting anything seth am i forgetting something no i think you got it all all right i'm pressing stop oh wait yes don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been seth and i've been zach and we've been the classic gaming brothers that is right uh... Uh...